Today's scripture lesson consists of verses selected from the book of Genesis in chapters 2 through 9. Hear the word of God. First from the story of Adam, Eve, and the Garden of Eden. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees, but do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat from it, you will die. The snake said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat of the fruit of the garden's trees, but not touch the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree could provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then from the story of Noah and the flood. The Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on the earth and that every idea their minds thought up was always completely evil. The Lord regretted making human beings on the earth and he was heartbroken. So the Lord said, I will wipe off of the land the human race that I have created, from human beings to livestock to crawling things to the birds and the skies because I regret ever having made them. But as for Noah, the Lord approved of him. And God said to Noah, the end has come for all creatures since they have filled the earth with violence. I am now about to destroy them along with the earth. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark with your whole household, because among this generation I have seen that you are a moral man. After 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fertile, multiply, and fill the earth. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I am now setting up my covenant with you, with your descendants, and with every living being with you, with the birds, with the large animals, and with all of the animals of the earth, leaving the ark with you. I will set up my covenant with you so that never again will all life be cut off by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. God's story for God's people. Thanks be to God. Great and gracious God, startle us with the wisdom of your ancient words and how much they have to do with us. Meet us with this truth that we belong to you, that you see us for the fullness of who we are who we have been, who we will be, and that you claim us as your very own each and every day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
Good morning to you. This is part three of our Understanding the Bible series. In part one, I introduced an idea of understanding the Bible through a foundational story, the creation of a covenant between God and the world, the breaking of that covenant, and the repair and restoration of that covenant. It's a story we see spring up again and again and again throughout the pages of the Bible. In part two, I argued that that story sees its primary expression in the covenant that is given to Moses and the people on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. Now, both of those stories, those sermons, if you did not hear them, are available on our website and through our podcast. If you'd like to catch up, today is part three. This week, we go back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. Now, just by coincidence, it was in the past week or so that NASA released the first images of the James Webb Space Telescope, images that showed us light that was created more than 13 billion years ago. And I point that out simply to start with the idea that today's lesson does not need to compete with science. When we understand the Bible through this lens of covenant and brokenness and repair, we can appreciate what science tells us about the origins of the universe, and we can appreciate all that our spiritual ancestors have told us in the Bible for a different set of reasons. They were seeking to make meaning out of the world in which they found themselves. They wanted to make sense of questions in their lives, not just questions about how we came to be here, but why we are here. And the answers to those kinds of philosophical questions come from a source that is not better, that is not worse, but is just quite different from the kind of data we get from a telescope. And we can appreciate, and I would even say we can stand in awe of both. So, because I am no astronomer and no physicist, let's turn instead to these stories in the book of Genesis and see what those stories are trying to tell us. The first of these sermons, part one, began, began with a reference to the epic stories of the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. I used that illustration to talk about this repeated cycle in the story of the Bible, the creation of a covenant, the breaking of the covenant, the repair and renewal of the covenant. In the second sermon, we looked at how the book of Exodus tells that fundamental story and this week, I invite you to return to that Lord of the Rings illustration because I would like for you to consider that the book of Genesis is like a prequel to the book of Exodus. It's like a prequel to the book of Exodus. We learn the story of the Exodus and the covenant at Mount Sinai, and then we look back at these earlier stories that explain how we got here. And when you read the stories through that lens, you see from the very beginning a foundation being laid for the epic story of covenant that is told throughout the Bible. 
Let's look at some examples in the book of Genesis. The scripture lesson today looked at two examples from the book of Genesis, two different stories. And first of all, in the very first chapters of the book of Genesis, some of you will know that there are actually two different stories of creation. If that is new information for you, go home today and read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. You will see that the first story, Genesis 1, tells of God creating the world over a period of six days and on the seventh day resting. This gives to life a pattern of worship where each week starts with a Sabbath, a worship period that orients us to life in God's world. In chapter 2, a different creation story is told. That's the one we heard from today. It shows God creating the man and then out of the man's rib creating a woman to be a companion and then placing them both in the Garden of Eden. Look at the way the covenant cycle unfolds in this second story. God places Adam and Eve in the garden. God provides for them everything that they could need or want, and they are given a simple instruction. Everything you need is here. Just don't eat of that tree. Now, at first, this may seem like an arbitrary rule. When you read this story, though, as a prequel to the covenant cycle we've been talking about, the meaning becomes so much clearer. God is saying, I am the Lord your God. I have provided a good life for you, and I invite you to live in this garden and to place your trust in me. In this world, there will be temptations to fall away, to place your trust in yourself or in someone else, but that will not lead you to the fullness of life I have for you. It's a covenant. And predictably, when this talking snake comes along and tempts Adam and Eve, they eat of the fruit of the tree, they break the covenant, and they lose their place in the garden. Things start to fall apart. In another story, following almost immediately upon this first one, God decides to renew the creation. A great flood wipes the slate clean. God renews the covenant with a man named Noah. Like it was with Adam and Eve, God gives Noah blessings and instructions. There is going to be a flood. Here is how you will survive it. Here are instructions for an ark you will build. And here is how you will gather together the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the creeping things that crawl along the ground so that when the flood waters recede, a good creation will be here for you to enjoy once more as it was in the beginning. At the end of the story, there's a rainbow set in the clouds as a visible sign of, it says specifically, a covenant I have made with you and with the world. My promise, says God, is to be your keeper and your God in this world. Just try not to turn away from me again. This is where the good life is. 
And so we see that in the book of Genesis, from chapters 2 through chapter 9, we go through the, the journey of creation and brokenness and recreation and renewal of the covenant. The book of Genesis continues with more stories of this covenant, this making of the covenant and breaking of the covenant and renewal of the covenant. In the remainder of the book of Genesis, chapters 12 through chapter 50 are the stories of Abraham and Sarah and of their descendants. In each of those stories, each generation, there is an introduction where God creates a relationship with the patriarch. It says something like, I am the Lord your God. I am about to make of you a great nation with more descendants than there are stars in the sky and grains of sand upon the ground. Follow me and trust me. God says this to Abraham and then says it to Isaac and then says it to Jacob. And in each one of those generations, that promise, that conversation is then followed by a story about that patriarch and matriarch and their family, a story, a human story in which we see how difficult it is to trust God and how easy it can be to slip away and how God loves us still and renews the covenant with the very next generation. And finally, in the story of Joseph, we see another human story. We see how the arrogance and jealousy between brothers leads Joseph to be sold into slavery in the land of Egypt. And when he gets there, he will at first seem to trust God, but he will ultimately choose to place his trust in Pharaoh. And with Pharaoh, he will learn to store up much more grain and more wealth than he would ever need for himself. And he holds it tightly and sells it back to the people at a high price until they become slaves in a foreign land. This is the prequel that tells us how we got to Egypt in the book of Exodus. Now, I'm leaving out an incredible amount of detail along the way, and I'm really looking forward to a couple of more sermons in where we start to talk about some of the difficult language in these stories and the things that don't make sense. Part five is going to do a lot with some of those problems. But the fundamental building blocks of the story are there. The Bible is a collection of stories about God's invitation to us into a relationship of trust. And we see over and over again how difficult it is for human beings to accept that invitation and how God reaches out again and again in attempts to renew that covenant. And although the story is not always neat and tidy and it is not always completely linear, I would argue that neither is your life or mine. We all have different ways of finding a relationship with God. We all have different ways of, in which we have fallen away or have chosen not to trust God completely. 
We all can find that in the long view of things, God loves us still, works for renewal, works to remind us that we are still loved and cared for, that there is a future for us. And in spite of our individual stories and our ways of understanding the journey of our own, there is this grand narrative here for us to receive an ancient history of our very own story, a covenant created and broken and renewed so that we can begin again. This is God's story, and we are invited to claim it as our own. In light of the place I began today with that nod to the James Webb telescope, It does seem to make sense to talk for a moment about how Bible readers look at creation and how we think about it in the midst of the knowledge that we have from science. And on this, I'm just going to give you a simple closing illustration. I had a theology professor in college who used to say things like this about the Bible. He'd say, when you read the parable of the Good Samaritan, It has an opening line that goes like this. You might remember. It says, there was a man who was headed down on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And my professor said, we don't read that line and go looking for records of the Jerusalem Highway Patrol to try to find out if it happened or not. Why? Because we're reading a parable and we know it. We're reading a story that Jesus tells for a reason, and the reason is not historical reporting or courtroom evidence. It is a lesson about generosity and love. I understand the stories of creation in much the same way. They are a particular kind of storytelling about who we are. And I'm telling you the narrative of the the whole Bible in a way that aligns with that. The Webb Telescope shows us evidence of a universe more than 13 billion years old. It is based in scientific evidence. In my humble opinion, we can only be awestruck by that. None of us who live at most to be about 100 years old, can even begin to conceptualize what 13 billion years is like. The Bible leaves us awestruck also, but in a completely different way. And it's a way that does not need to be compared or compete with the science. The Bible is telling us a different kind of story, a story of God as a covenant maker. God makes promises to us, and God keeps God's promises. God provides for and cares for us. And when we fall away in life, God is not waiting to punish us. God is waiting to welcome us home. Have you considered how unbelievable that story is? 
And have you considered how unbelievable it is because of how profoundly contrary it is to everything else that we hear about our life and our value in the world? God is not the angry judge most of us, many of us, walk into church believing because we heard that once upon a time. God is not an account manager who is evaluating your work, your victories, your mistakes, your accomplishments. God is a loving creator who provides and forgives and restores and who looks at everything that we have been and everything that we are and loves us deeply and longs to be in relationship with us. And if we dare to think deeply about that, we can only be awestruck. And we'll continue to think about how that story unfolds in the weeks to come. Amen.